today's reading uh, is found in your pew Bibles on page 1163, if you'd like to follow it or read some of the context around it. And it's from uh, the book of Philippians, and it's chapter 3, verses 12 to 14. I'll give you a chance to look that up. Paul writes to the Philippians, Not that I have already obtained all this, or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Andrew. Good morning again. Uh, like Miriam said before, Joel, our minister, is away. And what we've got over the next this week and the next two weeks is a couple of one-off talks. So Oliver Preston's preaching next week and then Ben Hayward's preaching the week after that. Not a series or anything, just a few one-offs. So this morning we're looking at those uh, three verses that uh, Andrew just read. Let me pray and then we'll get into it. Dear Lord, thank you for your word. Uh, thank you that we can... Uh, come under it, uh, hear from it, hear it read, and learn from it. I pray that we would do that this morning. Amen. Uh, it's already been said a few times, but in case you haven't got the memo, tomorrow is 2024. Uh, that feels very weird to say. It may feel uh, fill a few of us with fear. Uh, a few years ago, I was asked to preach at St. Stephen's. I think it was about January 1st or 2nd or something like that. And I looked up on the internet a bunch of New Year's resolutions. I just searched up New Year's resolutions for 2020 or whatever it was. I've done the same thing this year in preparation for tomorrow. So I searched up New Year's resolutions 2024 and the first two articles I clicked on, these were a few of the resolutions that I found. Firstly, try to live to 100. Easier for some. Uh, get healthier, in brackets, without going to the gym. Uh, find one thing you like about yourself. Some, some laughter. Uh, cut yourself some slack. Create a list of coping statements. Or this last one, which was my personal favourite. Eat five or six prunes. That was in exactly the same article as the other ones. Uh, you can figure out for yourselves what those say about the state of the world we are living in. But whatever it says... The world loves to set resolutions. And I think there's a lot of good in that, generally. It's good to have goals. It's good to be striving to get better. Uh, I don't know if any of us will ever reach the high heights of consuming five or six prunes in only one year, but we can only hope. Uh, I say all of this because our verses this morning contain what I think should be our life resolution. Uh, forget confining goals to 365 days our resolution for our entire life, I hope, would be something along the lines of Philippians 3.12. Press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Now, those are great words. They're our theme for this morning, uh, pressing on. Uh, not creating a list of coping statements, but two together as brothers and sisters in Christ spurred on by the greatest news that we could ever hear, press on. 
Uh, the book of Philippians, it was written by Paul. It was written somewhere in the realm of 60 to 62 AD, and Paul is writing from prison towards the end of his life. And he's writing to a church that he began years earlier in a place called Philippi, and it's a letter that's largely of encouragement and teaching. He's really thankful for this church and the way it has grown since he left them, but he feels the need to teach them and remind them of certain truths, certain truths in the face of false teachers who were around at the time or those who misunderstand. And the truths that he teaches them are about, amongst other things, the importance of unity amongst God's people, and he teaches them about Jesus. He reminds them of who he really was, what he did, what he means, the importance of his life, his death, and his resurrection, and how the Philippians should act as a result of those truths. And what he's just spent, if you've got your Bibles open, it'll be helpful, what he's just spent time doing before our passage is teaching them about so-called success here on earth. He talks about those things that would apply to Paul that Christians would have looked at at the time and thought, well, Paul's perfect. Uh, He was born to the right people, he's educated, he was righteous, he was wise, all of that, those human advantages and human successes, all of them, surprisingly, mean nothing to Paul. Uh, He says those great words, I consider them loss for the sake of Christ. He doesn't care about those successes. In fact, he goes on to say that his greatest desire in life is to know Christ perfectly. Not to succeed in these areas, but to know Christ. To suffer for his sake. To die knowing and trusting him. And then to be resurrected as he was, knowing finally and truly the power of Christ's resurrection and becoming like him. Perfect. That's Paul's desire. Which leads us then to our verses, where Paul begins by saying, not that I have already obtained all this. In other words, I haven't achieved this yet. I'm not yet perfect, but here is what I'm doing in the meantime. That's the context of the verses that we're looking at this morning. Uh, Like I said, our theme is largely verse 12. It's that idea of pressing on. It's an idea that I think in today's day and age, it doesn't seem to be that popular. Uh, We don't really like the idea of pressing on through hardship. I hope that's not a hugely controversial take, but I think we encourage people more often than ever to take time out when things get hard. Uh, In social situations, in work situations, in recreational situations, if things get hard, then focus on yourself and get out of the situation, which can sometimes be wise. But I fear we can so easily swing so far the other way that the idea of pressing on through anything difficult is just completely removed. But it's solely what Paul focuses on in these three verses. Continuing on in the Christian walk. Press on, he says. Strain towards. Take hold of. Again, verse 14, press on. Verse 14 doesn't say take some time off if things are difficult and then come back in a few years when things quieten down and then try and win the prize. No, Paul says, press on towards the goal 
to win the prize. And so it's good to start thinking about that. Because what we're looking at is countercultural, as is much of God's word. But I hope by the end of this morning, we will see that pressing on is not a burden we bear alone. And it is not a difficulty for the sake of difficulty. It is a glorious race for a glorious prize. Uh, If you look at verse 12, which is the the main verse we're looking at, you should be able to see, hopefully, that it talks about uh, three different tenses. It talks about past, present, and future. Not that I have already obtained all this, Paul says. That is, Paul has not in the past already obtained these things he's talking about. That's the past. I press on, he says. That's what he's currently doing. That's the present. And then the future. He presses on to take hold of. Sometime in the future, he hopes to take hold of. Dot, dot, dot. Past, present, and future. All to do with pressing on and continuing on in the Christian walk. So firstly, the past. Uh, This is a helpful place to start, I think, because it will remind us, we can talk about pressing on as much as we like, but pressing on is not easy. Uh, Life is hard. That's a statement that I don't really think needs to be said, because all of us in this room will know it for a fact. However, it's one of those things that's good to remind ourselves of as we think about this idea of pressing on. Because it's very easy for us as Christians to say to each other, oh, don't worry, just press on through it, just get through it, without considering how daunting a prospect that might be for lots of people. But Paul begins, verse 12, by taking us to the past, not that I have already, dot, dot, dot. He reminds both himself and us that he has in no way already obtained that perfection that he looks forward to so eagerly. He has not been made perfect, he says. He looks back on his life and he knows that he falls short. But his response is not to dwell on that and hinder his faith, but to press on. I'm currently reading a book on anxiety. It's a Christian look at anxiety and the anxiety that's seemingly taken a stranglehold, I think, on much of society. Uh, in Australia, and it's, it's a similar stat in the US and the UK, one in four people will experience anxiety in a medical sense at some stage in their life. That's a huge number. And one of the examples that the author gives from his own life is that he calls it the crippling panic he would feel just waking up at 4am one morning and going over conversations from the day before. I don't think that would be a foreign concept for a lot of us. The past hurts. The past can hold many of our darkest thoughts or memories. And it's so easy to dwell on the past. Uh, Do you? Are you someone who is distracted by the events of the past? Decisions we've made, uh, things we have said, things we haven't said, people wronging us, things that have been said to us, actions we've taken, or in general, do we feel guilt? Uh, Guilt can be a very damaging thing. For many, I think one of the biggest reasons they either feel as though they cannot give their life to Christ, 
or they struggle at certain points to understand how they have in the past is because of guilt. I'm sure that in this room there will be many here struggling with guilt, whose dwelling on the past hinders faith. Uh, You may not feel like pressing on. Well, Paul starts in the past. He knows he is not perfect. He acknowledges that. And what does he have to say to us about it? All of this, uh, all the guilt, all the memories. Friends, those wonderfully freeing words in verse 13. Forget what is behind. Uh, How lovely are those words to us sinners. If you are a Christian, if you call yourself a follower of Christ then you will be all too familiar with your failings. But we should be even more familiar with the love and forgiveness that is found in Christ. Not a love and forgiveness that covers everything except that one person or that one sin, but a forgiveness that covers all. Our whole lives forget what is behind because it is dealt with. Paul isn't saying don't learn or pretend things didn't happen. He's also not saying don't think about God's goodness in the past. We did that earlier in the service, giving thanks. No, he is saying do not be hindered by what has occurred in the past so that it, might, so that it stops you from pressing on. Uh, at the moment, Atticus, our son, he's moving around quite a lot. And one of the things he loves most, as we all do, is standing up and spinning the dials on the washing machine. He could do it for hours. Uh, When we turn it on, he'll see it at the other side of the room and he'll start crawling towards it. But the easiest way to stop him getting there is to just put, I say something else, but anything else in his way. Uh, You could put a remote controller on the coffee table. You could open the door to the garden behind him. You could make a sound, anything really, and he will go to that instead of what it was that he initially wanted. Uh, We're exactly the same as Christians. We know what it is that we want. We will tell each other what it is that we want. We want heaven. We want to be with our God. But as we've said, we are so easily distracted by everything, and we can be so easily distracted by the past. But verse 13 doesn't end with those words, forget what is behind. What does Paul say next? He says, forget what is behind, that is, do not let it hinder you. Instead, strain towards what is ahead. Strain towards the future. As we repent, as we turn our lives and faces to Christ, we need to be forgetting that which will trip us up. Instead, turning our eyes to Christ and our future. Now the question is then, what is so great that we can forget what is behind? Uh, One of the things I've learnt over my time as a youth leader here at St. Stephen's is that nothing encourages the kids to get involved in a game or anything, not just games, more than a quality prize. Uh, You could be running the greatest game ever created, the best challenge ever, but if the prize is just a chocolate bar, the kids do not care. If you up the prize to movie tickets all of a sudden people are a little bit more interested. Uh, It's the same in nearly every area of life. The payoff at the end helps us get through the journey. Same in the Christian walk. 
If the prize at the end of the Christian walk was subpar, then there is no real incentive to continue on. No real drive to press on. But the great news for us as Christians is that the payoff is absolutely worth pressing on for. That is why if we want to press on through all times, if we want to continue on, then we must, as brothers and sisters in Christ, set our eyes on the future. Uh, Paul uses words like press on, to take hold of, strain towards what is ahead, towards the goal. He works so hard to continue because he knows that what awaits in the future is so glorious. What awaits is that perfection that he has been speaking about through the whole letter of Philippians, if you go back and read it. Him, perfect, in his heavenly home, with his perfect saviour, free from the trials that make it so hard to press on in this life, with brothers and sisters through the ages, reveling in the glory and majesty of the creator of the universe. Now, that is a great prize. If we keep our eyes on that, if we keep our minds set on that, then pressing on will be so much more bearable. It will not be easy, and Paul and God's word never promises it will be easy, but it will be bearable. Paul has been imprisoned, he's been beaten, shipwrecked, hated, chased out of multiple towns, but he knows that Christ Jesus has taken hold of him. Look at verse 12. I press on. For what? To take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Uh, the ESV version says, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Those are some of the most, that's one of the most comforting verses in the Bible. Paul knows that that means he will never be forgotten, forsaken, left behind. Christ has taken hold of him and he will never let him go. Paul knows his past, we've just heard that. He knows his own sin, but Jesus knows it better. And he has taken hold of him that he might one day share in his salvation perfectly in heaven. Friends, we are receivers of that exact same promise. As Christians, we have been taken hold of by Christ that we might be saved. He will walk alongside us and we are never alone and we will go to be with him on that final day. Uh, I said before that the church at Philippi, remember that's where uh, Paul is writing the letter to, they were being reminded of certain things by Paul. And one of those things was to stop looking towards the world, the world around them at the time. And if I can, a bit of background about what that was like, Philippi was a Roman colony in Greece. So you can imagine the sorts of mixed teaching and philosophies and things that are swirling around both the time and the people. Uh, one of the biggest of these philosophies, and one that Paul speaks to directly later in the letter, is what was called Stoicism. Uh, this philosophy, it teaches essentially that all that is needed is yourself. That is it. You must learn to rely solely on you to truly be happy. 
try everything. In fact, they encourage you to try as many things as you possibly could. But come to a point where nothing is more important to you than the self, than you. Then you reach what they called self-sufficiency. It's not that different to now. And funnily enough, the idea of stoicism is actually very popular at the moment, particularly amongst young guys. Rely on yourself. The only person you can trust and rely on is you. Well, we've already seen how unreliable we are. Think of our pasts. We fail, we fall, we stumble time and time again. And so think for a second. Think for a second of how freeing it would have been for the Philippians to hear these words. Press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of you. You are not alone. There is no need to be self-sufficient. Rely on the Lord because he has called you, he has kept you, now press on. Look towards the prize, strain towards the goal, all the while knowing that the Lord walks beside you. Forget what is behind and press on in the Lord. All of that leads us very quickly then to the present. And I say quickly because there's not much left to say. Uh, We know that we must forget what is behind because it will hinder us as we try and continue on. We need to instead look towards what lies ahead. And those things, both of them, will allow us to, in the present, in the difficult, long, tough present, press on. Uh, Earlier in the year, a a man called Mark Stone was playing ice hockey in the uh, Stanley Cup finals in the U.S., And in what would be the last game of the series, Stone went off after the first period with the team, uh, and he was told that 10 minutes earlier during the game, he'd snapped his wrist in half. He asked the doctor to strap it up. He went back on in the second period, scored three goals, and won his team the Stanley Cup. I really don't like Mark Stone, but you have to respect that. Uh, That is nothing, if not an example of pressing on, pushing through. Like I said before, pressing on through trials, I don't think, is common practice anymore. But that is what Paul commands here more than anything else. Forget what is behind, look forward. All of that is overshadowed by press on, continue, strain towards. That is what we should be doing in the present. Now think about the ways that we can be doing that and encouraging each other to do that in the coming year. I start reading Revelation. Remind yourself what it is that we have to strain towards and look forward to in heaven. Now talk to some of our older brothers and sisters here in this room. Someone who has been pressing on for much longer than us. And ask what it is that they are looking forward to. What it is that drives them towards the goal. What helps them strain Are you active in your faith? We mentioned New Year's resolutions before, and I think one of the popular ones for Christians is let go and let God. I think there's some potential problems with that, the most obvious being that we don't really let God do anything. But it's also very passive, isn't it? Just sit back and let God. 
There's nothing passive about Paul in these three verses from Philippians. And it's because he knows that life is a struggle. You have to be active to continue on, to be growing. Look at what he says, reach out, grab the prize, press on, strain towards. It's active. Press on in the Christian walk, press on together. Uh, This next year, don't sit back, but be active. Uh, And see that as a great thing, because we are pressing on together to a glorious prize, and we are not alone. As we finish, Paul is writing these words from prison. Yet he says his greatest desire is to be made perfect, and it is that hope in the future that drives him forth. Forget what is behind, strain towards what is ahead, Friends, life is hard. I'm sure 2024 will bring with it many new challenges. But let verse 12 be not your New Year's resolution, but your life's resolution. Press on. Why? To take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. To be made perfect. To live a life for and with him. You have been taken hold of by Christ. He will never let you go. Now press on. Amen.